turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 1. We'll read down through verse 6. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of air. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do ask that Your Spirit would guide us into truth during these next moments together. Lord, I pray that You would open the eyes of our understanding, that we'd see the application of Your Word in our own personal lives. And Lord, that we would know the power of Your Spirit working in us, empowering us then to live out these truths in our lives. We are thankful that Your Word is a living Word. That it's not just some history book that we're going to. Lord, we rejoice that You have called us to a relationship with You. And may that relationship today draw even closer, we pray in Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. Amen. In this passage that we've just read, John is saying... I want you to understand that you can't believe everything you hear. You know, we live in interesting days. Um, people will spout off all kinds of, of um, statistics. And where did you get that? Oh, I read it on the Internet. Oh, okay, then that guarantees that it's true, right? Um, there are many, many things that um, give us information, and spiritually speaking, there are many, many things that come and put forth that this is truth. You can go from one end of the spectrum clear to the other, and um, every religion that I know of says that theirs is truth. And some would have us to say, well... Everybody's could be truth. Well, there's no way that everybody could be truth. I mean, if I say this flower is pink and you say that it's blue, um, there's no way that both of us can be right on that. There are self-contradictory teachings in one religion to another. So... This isn't something that's new to us today. This is something that right after 
um, John's day, in John's day, right after Christ, they had an issue. False teachers were abounding. This is 60 years after Christ lived. And so John wrote to them and he said, um, Be careful who you believe. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. And today we're going to look at the third test. He gives three tests. We've kind of been looking at these. And so we're going to try to put these together so that you can see. The first test of testing a false prophet is to ask the question, do they acknowledge that Christ alone is the Savior? In verse 2 and 3, Hereby we know that a person is of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. We've already looked at it. We won't go into detail. But verse 3 goes on and continues. It doesn't just mean that, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ was a man and lived and existed. That Jesus Christ came in the flesh. It means that you believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and that He came as the Messiah, that He is the Christ, that He alone is the one that provides forgiveness of sin, that He alone is the Messiah, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial, substitutionary death for our sin, rose victorious from the grave, and that He alone, Jesus Christ alone, provides salvation. It's not Jesus Christ plus baptism, or Jesus Christ plus good works, or Jesus Christ plus anything. The only thing that we can answer to God for what we are trusting for salvation is the finished work of Jesus Christ. He is the only way of salvation, plus nothing else. Anything we add, Jesus Christ plus, makes it so that we're not trusting Christ. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross, He said, It is finished. The payment for sin is made completely. We sometimes sing the song, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. He alone is the Messiah. He alone is the Savior. He alone forgives sins. Anyone that teaches anything else than that, John is saying, they're a false prophet. So that's the first test that he gave. Then he went on and he said, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he's, he's mentioning in this passage that as a believer in Christ, we have new life. And a genuine follower of Christ manifest that new life. Greater is He that is in you. That's new life. 
He has come to dwell within us when we call upon Jesus Christ. We have new life. So the next test is, do they manifest a newness of life? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. If a person is of God, if a person is a child of God, they have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, and the moment the Holy Spirit dwells within them, things change. He starts rearranging their life, and he starts producing fruit in their life. And someone that is a follower of God will be manifesting and will grow in manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. These are things that, that God will start producing in their lives if they're a follower of Him. So John is saying, a person's life, ought to manifest a change. They don't, they're not controlled by the same uh, desires of the heart that they have a new boss in their life. They're under new management. And um, the power that is in them is greater than the power that was at work in them before and the power that was at work in the world. So are they manifesting evidences of being a child of God, or are they just parroting certain truths that have never reached their heart? So with the first two, we ask this question. What am I trusting for my salvation? I mean, it's easy for us to sometimes slide into some fuzzy thinking about salvation. Well, sure, I'm a Christian. I mean, look at I've been going to church all these years and read my Bible and pray. No, 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 that isn't what makes you a Christian. I am a follower of Christ because I have received Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of my sin. And then we ask this question, do I... You know, changing it from a test for false prophets, do I manifest a regenerate life? Do I manifest a new life? Is there evidence in my home? Is there evidence in my attitude at work? Is there evidence in the way I do business? Is there evidence in my life when the pressure is put on that there is genuine life from above? You've heard the old saying, Christians are like tea bags. You never know what they're made of till you get them in hot water. And the reality is, when you are put in hot water, what comes out? If you are a follower of Christ, there ought to be the manifestations of God's Spirit working. Does that mean you'll always respond right? No. But let's say you get put in hot water, so to speak, and you don't respond right. Do you understand the Spirit of God will convict you and say, wow, that wasn't the right way to respond there. 
You're right, Spirit. I, I just blew right through that and didn't depend on you. And I ask your forgiveness. That's an evidence of the working of the Spirit of God. So, John is saying, do they acknowledge Christ alone as Savior? Do they manifest new life? And then you notice verses 5 and 6. He said, they that are of the world speak of the world, and the world hears them. We who are of God, he says, he that we are of God, and he that knoweth God hears us. He that is not of God does not hear us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So he says, here's how we know the spirit of truth and error. What they say about Christ, manifestation of a new life, and thirdly, do they submit to the Word of God? They that are of the world talk of the world. They, the philosophies are of the world. He said, if someone is of God and God is in them, he said, they hear the things that are of God. They have an ear for the things of God. He that knoweth God, he says, hears us, hears the truth. He that is not of God does not give us an ear, does not listen to it. So he, he's saying, do they express a devotion, a commitment to the Word of God? How do they, how do they respond to the divine law of God? Do they accept it? Do they ignore it? Do they excuse it? Do they rationalize it? Do they explain it away? Throughout Scripture, we find many examples of um, instances where an individual claimed to be a follower of God and someone brought to them the truth. And we find instances of individuals that, as they were exposed to the truth, that kind of conflicted with what they believed. We find examples of individuals that said, Oh, wow, if that's what that says, then that's what I need to believe. We also find other examples of individuals who said, I don't really care, in essence, what that says. This is what I believe. Now, our attitude toward the Word of God, whether we submit to it, is very, very important. Following God is not a smorgasbord event. I, I don't know if this is when um, smorgasbord restaurants really got going, but back when I was about in fifth or sixth grade, we... My parents took our family to a smorgasbord, and I had, I had no idea what it was. And we got in there, and they said, here, you grab this plate, and, and there's this long line of food, and you can go down and pick whatever you want, put it on your plate. And I thought, is this heaven or what? And, and my mother didn't even say, now, take some of that. She... She must have had a mental lapse that day or something, you know. 
And I thought, wow. And and that was back in the good old days when they didn't even have kale that they'd put out, you know. <laughs> but they had some stuff that looked like cooked cabbage. And I said, I don't want any of that. Here's some roast beef. Mmm, that's good. And some corn. And I started looking down the line and I thought, whoa, look down here. There, there is pie and there is ice cream. And all the ice cream you can eat? Really? You mean just go fill that up? And look, at they have all these things you can dump on. And I thought, what a wonderful idea. Why don't we just eat here every day, Mom and Dad? Because I can pick what I want. And ignore what I don't want. That's the exact attitude that many people come and bring with them in following God. And do you understand, following God is not that way. Oh, I like this about God. Can you give me a double portion of that? Give me two scoops of that. Oh, oh, wait, I I don't like that. You, you want me to do that? No, 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 no. A false prophet, a false follower will pick and choose what they want to believe. One of the clearest evidences of a genuine follower of God is that there is a readiness to receive what God teaches through the Word of God. What God teaches about sin, it's not, well, I don't believe that sin. If God says it, then, then that's what I need to believe. Following Christ is in Christ accepting all that He is. So we ask ourselves, who do I give a hearing to? Do I give a hearing to the philosophies of people that talk about this and say, well, you know, in the Bible that uh, this doesn't really mean this and, it, and you don't need to take it that way. It, it, it's okay this. Who do I give a hearing to? Do I submit to the Word of God? First of all, do I submit to the Word of God in submitting my time to read the Word of God. You know, if, if I do not consistently read the Word of God, there's something wrong here. Those that are of God hear the Word of God. That doesn't mean they go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It means they have a desire. Those that are of the world, they don't want to hear the Word of God. They, they want to check the internet, check the newspaper, turn the radio on. They want to hear themselves talk. Well, I'm too busy for the Word. They that are of the world do not hear the Word. So if you're here today and you say, you know what? This last week, I, I don't know that I even picked up my Bible this last week. That's not right. Those that are of the world hear the world. But those that are of God hear the things of God. There's a desire for that. There's an, there's an appetite for that. And then as you read the Word of God, there will be things that God tells you 
that really go against your will. Oh, I don't want to do that. Remember the account where Peter went out and and the others and they fished all night and caught nothing? And then along came Jesus and they were there fixing their nets and Jesus said to them, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter said, we have been fishing all night and caught nothing. And you can just imagine what they were probably thinking. What do you know about fishing? I mean, they were the fishermen. That was their business. Along comes this preacher who knows nothing about anything, and he says, cast your net on... Yeah, how many fish have you ever caught? But Peter quickly realized, before he even probably thought those things or said those things, he quickly realized, he said, we have fished all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will do it. You understood? It went against his grain. His mind said, we've cast on this side and that side. We've been out there all night. But if you said it, I'm going to do it. Those that are of God respond to the Word of God. And if you are in the Word and as a believer, you will be confronted with truths of God's Word that will cause you to say, wait a minute, that goes against my grain. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus Christ said the same thing in the Garden of Eden. Humanly speaking, if there is any other way to provide for the forgiveness of sins besides the cross, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Every day in a Christian's life, we are called to submit to the Word of God. We are called to come under. This is what I think, but if that's what you say, God. And every day, we are called to respond to that. We as Christians are called to speak the truth. And what he's saying here is false prophets um, speak and the world hears it and says, yeah, that's what we like. But true followers of God speak the truth. There, there are many, there have been many, many times that, that I sit with people and, and dear people, and I sit with them and they ask about something or something comes up and I say, well, you know, this is what God says about that. And I know before I even say it that it's not what they want to hear. And I know that in many cases, it's not what they want to hear, and that means they're going to go somewhere else. But you know what? The job of a true church is to speak the truth, 
not tell people what they want to hear. Amen? I'm glad God doesn't tell me every day what I want to hear. There are many days I go to the Word and I come away from it and it's like I've, I've been worked over. And that's a good thing because I need worked over. And, and what he's saying here is those that are of God hear the Word of God. They submit to the Word of God. The late A.W. Tozer posed seven tests that apply to any teaching. And, and I just want to share these with you today. They're not mine. They're uh, A.W. Tozer's. But they're not A.W. Tozer's because truth is truth and there's not anything new under the sun. But in asking about teaching, and, and we have opportunities to be exposed to much in regard to teaching... But not only think of it in teaching, but in what do you listen to? Number one, how does the teaching affect my relationship with God? Is He magnified and glorified, or is He diminished? Now, let me just say, these are, this is quite lengthy. If you want a copy of these, we'll make a copy. As some of you will, will maybe be tempted to walk in the flesh if you try to write all these down because we're going to go through them too fast, okay? So if you want a copy, we'll, afterwards we'll, we'll make this. This teaching, does it, does it magnify Jesus Christ? Does it magnify God? Or does it diminish Him? How does the teaching affect my attitude toward the Lord Jesus Christ? Does it magnify Him and give Him first place? Or does it subtly shift my focus onto myself or some experience. So, what does it do about God? And Jesus Christ is God. Secondly, what does it do about Jesus Christ? Does it suddenly shift the focus on to me? We have a much man-centered Christianity. You can't have that, but that's what we try to have. Thirdly, how does the teaching affect my attitude towards Scripture? Did the teaching come from and agree with the Word? Does it increase my love for the Word? Or does it diminish it? See, if it's of God, they hear my words, and my words dwell in them. Does it make much of the Word or does it diminish it? And, and as I said, uh, think of it not only the teaching, but what I listen to in my life, what I give a hearing to. That may be what we think on. Does it make much of God and much of Jesus Christ and much of the Word? Number four, how does the teaching affect my self-life? Does it feed self or crucify self? Does it feed pride or does it bring humility? What I bring into my life, how does it affect self? Is it, is it feeding it or is it bringing a humble spirit? Number five, how does the teaching affect my relationship with other Christians? 
Does it cause me to withdraw, to find fault, exalt myself in superiority? Or does it lead me to genuine love for all that truly know Christ? How does... How does the teaching, or how does what I bring into my life, what I listen to, does it cause me to be more involved in people's life, or say they're all a bunch of quacks, and I'm getting away from them, and I don't want to have anything to do with them? Number six, how does the teaching affect my relationship to the world system? Does it lead me to pursue the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life? Does it lead me to pursue worldly riches and reputation and pleasures? Or does it crucify the world to myself? You know, all of these, these tests that he's bringing through, the things that I bring into my life, how does it affect my relationship with the world? And then, number seven, how does the teaching affect my attitude towards sin? Does it cause me to tolerate sin in my life? Or to turn from it and grow in holiness. Any teaching that makes holiness more acceptable and sin more intolerable is genuine. So, he goes down this list and really what we ask is, my thoughts. How does it affect my attitude? For example, number seven, towards sin. Does it cause me to tolerate sin? See, this is what God says about sin, but, well, you know, not everybody. That's kind of a hard-line stand, what God says. And things have changed over Does it cause me to tolerate and excuse and, and um, minimize sin? Or does it cause me to draw closer to God and have an aversion for sin? He says, By these things, in verse 6, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of air. And what John is saying here, the kind of person that you are is revealed in what you bring into your life. This last test. Do they submit to the Word of God? Do they hear the Word of God? Or do they bring people in that minimize the Word and explain the Word away and say, oh, come on, that's not the way it is? He says, these are the real tests. And in these days, John is saying, it is important what you believe. Test everything that you believe beginning with our own thoughts. Is this a thought that makes much of Christ and little of sin? Is this a thought that affects my relationship with other believers in a good way? And it's sorting through these. Every day we have the opportunity, every moment we have the opportunity to make these choices. Is this a truth or is it not? And as we rest in God, He says, you can be more than conquerors. As you submit to the Word of God, as you allow the Spirit of God to show the evidence of salvation in your life, and as you continue to trust in Jesus Christ. There are many false prophets. 
The question is, what am I trusting for salvation? Do I manifest a truly new life? And do I submit to the Word of God? You may be here today and the Spirit of God has been dealing in your life and you know an area that you are not submitting to the Word of God. It's a dangerous place to be when we say, no, I'm not going to do it. We're saying, God, I know better than you and I know this is what's right for me and I know this is what I want. But those that are of God will come and say, nevertheless... Not my will, but thine be done. Heavenly Father, I pray that in our hearts today, even now, that there would be submission to you. Lord, some maybe need to submit to you for salvation. Some may need to submit to you in obedience of following you in the waters of baptism. Some may need to submit in saying, you know what, I haven't had a desire for the Word. Some, it may be some area of their life that, that they've been hanging on to that you've said you want them to obey. Lord, I pray right now that we would know the joy of submission to your will. That we would know the joy, as Peter said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine, and that we would know the joy of nets full and overflowing as we submit to your word. Lord, help us to begin, first of all, examining our own hearts to make sure that we are not false prophets. And then, Lord, help us to be lights in the midst of this dark world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.